somewhere over the rainbow. Bluebird. That's enough. Thank you. The Rees Company. I mean, I tell you, Steve, I, I just can't take him anymore. I brought in a, a, a frozen TV dinner the other day, and he ate it. Uh, the thing is, he didn't even heat it up. Ugh. I mean, who does that? I just, I mean, I know these auditions are awful, but we just, I mean, if we can find somebody else, I mean, it's just, oh, H- hello. What's up, guys? What's, hey. what's going on? Hey, puppet Jamie Walters. Yeah, what's this uh, poster I see about up in... Open puppet auditions today. Oh, um, you know, just looking for some new cast members. You know, n- nothing uh, out of the ordinary. Spread things out a bit. Cast a wider net. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, I got a lot going on, too, you know. All right. I'll see you guys. Okay. Yikes. <laughs> it's all starting to make sense now. <laughs> all right. People who really want to have a good time won't come to a slaughterhouse. And we've got entirely too many troublemakers here. Too many, uh... 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. It's going to change. Be nice. That ain't working. I want you to be nice. That ain't working. And you'll both be nice. So much as my uh, wife was a giant. But, um... I want you to be nice. Until it's time to not be nice. (laughs) No, I'm pretty sure that's the way you do it. (laughs) (laughs) The Reeves Company. Back open a tepid genesis and watch the pictures as they travel through your neighbor's Wi-Fi. Welcome to the Reeves Company 30th YouTube subscriber extravaganza spectacular experience. We did it. Yeah, we did it. (laughs) We're honored, we're humbled, and we're delighted to know that uh, 30 people, just over the number of people, slightly over the number of people who uh, comprise a Major League Baseball team roster, have clicked subscribe on our uh, channel. So um, I realize that to some of you, that may seem a little uh, unimpressive. Might not seem like a big deal. Right. Chris? Chris? No, I was just saying some of the people. Yeah, some of the people may not see this as the big deal that we do, uh, but you have to consider this. Something you may know, not know about Chris and I. Together, we only know about roughly eight people. True. So most of my friends are in this room right now. Yeah, exactly. So we don't have the the pool of uh, influence that a lot of other folks on this platform have. Now, if we happen to know between, say, hundreds of people between us, and only 30 subscribed, and most of our videos, as they do, had only, you know, double-digit view counts. Well, we'd be a little hurt, a little bit disappointed, and I'd have to admit uh, there'd, there'd be a little bit of room for betrayal on our part. Okay. How we might react to that. But luckily, 
That's not the case at all. Chris and I, we just happen to know very few people. So the number 30 is very impressive from where we sit. Yeah. It's, it's almost as big as the audience we had for our first open mic night all those years ago. So we've almost built back up to that, our, our first shot, as it were. And because we know so few people between us, it's, uh, it says to us that we're uh, creating an organic following. Not of any sort of built-in audience or people we know. We're just people are finding us and enjoying what we do. Yeah. I guess the important thing is, is that it keeps going up. Yes. Um, and, and Jim had a good suggestion. He said, when we get to 40, uh, we'll celebrate. Instead of our usual 12-ounce uh, cans, we'll be drinking 40s. And that seems like a good idea. So get that subscriber number up, and, and you'll have us doing something different. Yeah, so let's aim for 40, because it's apparent that we don't have any friends. But uh, perhaps you do, and uh, you can turn them on to what we do. Yeah. And everybody, the world will be a better place, quite frankly. Well, hey, I got an idea. Oh, yeah, what's that, Puppet Jamie Walker? What happens when you get to 69 subscribers? I got some ideas for that. I'm sure you do. You're ready to talk about Russia, Chris. Are you, are you going to be here all show? No? Okay, all right, good. Puppet Jamie Walters, everybody. Sharing in our uh, celebration as we mark 30. Yeah, I mean, he's part of the show, too. Subscribers, yes, so he, he is. he needed to be here. Yes, he is. Uh, yeah, I had, uh, I don't know if you saw this, Steve, but last week, uh, Russia put out a list of uh, Americans who were permanently banned from, from Russia. And, uh, you know, most of them were like uh, senators, congresspeople, uh, military officers, uh, Morgan Freeman. Yes. Um, <laughs> Any idea why that is? He, he and Carl Reiner, who's also on the list, did some, uh, I guess they were concerned about Russian influence in the 2016 election, and they made some kind of public announcement about it, and uh, Putin was not amused. Now, do you mean Rob Reiner? Yeah, what did I say? Carl yeah, Reiner? Carl, yeah, Is he still alive? Delayed. I don't think he's allowed in Russia either, because that, that would just scare the crap out of everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, it's a list of illustrious people. Um, who've achieved things in life, unlike myself, who has achieved nothing uh, and fails at almost everything I attempt. 30, 30 YouTube subscribers, yeah. guys, nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. 15 if we, if we split them. True. That's true. We should divide them in half. But um, I figure uh, if I try hard enough, maybe I can get on this list with these accomplished people. Um, so later on in the show, after we review what we're going to review this week, uh, I will attempt to insult Putin and the nation of Russia enough in order to be permanently banned from visiting Russia. So stay tuned, and you'll see that. Okay, now in the meantime, uh, because uh, to mark this achievement, the 30 subscribers, we're going to do something a little different tonight. We do not have a movie of the week of the week. There will be no Meredith Baxter's awarded for um, any made-for-TV motion picture. Um we are going to do something I've wanted to do for a while, and we're going to decide once and for all. We're going to watch and decide once and for all whether or not the mid-'90s New Zealand sitcom Melody Rules is indeed, as it has the reputation for being, if it is indeed the worst sitcom ever. So that's what we're going to be doing tonight. I had not heard of this until last week when you brought it to my attention. I but, thought it would uh, be worth talking about, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I watched it before, and... Uh, I don't know. Well, are, how are we going to do this, Steve? Well, first, I feel like I need to give a little background because I feel like I just dumped a whole lot on everybody. Yeah. Uh, 
I well, don't expect everyone to be uh, up to date, or not even up to date, 30 years up to date on um, <clears throat> New Zealand sitcom history. Right. So um, maybe I can back up a bit and tell everybody what we're doing. Um, see, in New Zealand, in the early 90s, there was a network called TV3. Now, I say was, Chris, because um, it's now known simply as, as 3, probably because of what we're going to discuss tonight. Okay. They probably feared being sued under the Trade Subscriptions Act, the Trade Descriptions Act, and uh, because what we're about to watch may not actually be considered television. Well, TV3 was fairly new and privately owned, which made it the first of that kind in New Zealand. Okay. Uh, and they struggled to stay afloat. They went into receivership. Now, you know what that is, Chris? Uh, like bankruptcy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but a custodial company has to take over while they uh, get their economic affairs in order. Uh huh. So, um, <clears throat> some executives decided that just what the network needed to become permanently solvent was a good old-fashioned American-style sitcom, but written and produced in New Zealand. And this had never been done before. And part of the reason for that was that no one in the country knew how to do it. So the network held a writing seminar slash workshop. 120 aspiring writers paid 350 New Zealand dollars. Now, I don't know. That could be expensive. That could be a steal. I don't know. Could uh, be $14. Could be 14000 American. Yeah, I don't remember the rate. So 120 of these folks, uh, they paid for a crash course in things like character building, story structure, and how those things relate to shaping the typical American-style sitcom. Now, Chris, you look, was, like you, you look like you have a question. <laughs> yes. Was this, was this class taught by Terry Gillespie? <laughs> okay. See, no. <laughs> I will tell you how the class was, uh, who the class was taught by, and you may be surprised. Okay. Kind of ties into our show, if you'd believe that. No, I don't. Now, you may be thinking, if no one in New Zealand knew any of this, who was teaching this course? Well, they brought this guy down from L.A. called John Vorhaus, who I'm sure had no unfortunate schoolyard nicknames. <laughs> He'd written books on sitcom writing. He had written for several himself, uh, for example, Married with Children, oh, Head okay. of the Class, Charles in Charge, and he'd even go on to write for Viper. Really? Yeah. Now, if you're not familiar with Viper, we did a recent show on the pilot of that program, which was a made-for-TV movie. So after Vorhaus imparted all of his knowledge... TV3 used the workshop portion of the seminar to pare down the group of 120 writers to simply 10. Now, how did they do that? Well, they eliminated them uh, but through the workshop process. I guess they submitted scripts based on uh, writing assignments. Hmm. Okay. I don't know for sure, but I would guess that was how they did it. That's and, interesting. Um, from the 10... You know, I, I, I mean, when you first brought up this idea of a workshop, I thought they were just out to steal their 300... New Zealand dollars from these people. <laughs> but they're actually, you're actually auditioning for a job. Yes. So, okay. So that, okay, that makes a lot more sense then. So, uh, yeah. All right. It still does come off like a money grab, especially a struggling network. Yeah. Charging people who want to become sitcom writers. They only needed 10. Y yeah. I but guess. I, I guess from, uh, you could defend them by saying, well, they want to do, make the pool as large as possible. Yeah, and then also by charging something, you weed out people who are just wackos looking for something to do that day. It's prohibitive. Yeah. 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 So uh, from the 10, the remaining 10 that they pared it all down to, they created five teams of two. And each team, 
Each team was asked to uh, conceive and pitch their idea for what New Zealand's first sitcom would be about. So the winning pitch was for a show called Flat Out. Man, how did you find all this out? Well, I, uh, <laughs> there is a wealth of information about this that I, I had never been exposed to before, and okay. I will plug it at the end of the show because I think it's only fair. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and believe me, this is just the basics Cliff Notes version of uh, everything that happened. But the winning pitch, again, was for a show called Flat Out. But the writers who pitched Flat Out actually quit before the show went into production. That's not a good sign. No, no, no. Uh, and one member of that team was a 17-year-old boy. <laughs> So a different team who was not chosen were put in charge of developing Flat Out. Okay. okay. Which was retitled Melody Rules. Why would they? The only reason you would quit is if the pay was that bad. I think it was a matter of them seeing the writing on the wall as far as how this was going to ultimately end up. There were a lot of uh, restrictions placed on the writers. Okay. That uh, made it very difficult to produce a show that anyone would want to watch. I think you'd still take the paycheck, though. It just gets like... Especially I, I if it's your know. first job in an industry that doesn't exist in your country. Yeah, especially if it's your first job. Yeah. So I may have that part of it wrong. Now, to fully explain the context in which Melody Rules appeared, we have to talk about the news department at TV3. Well, you have to. <laughs> Specifically, it's late night program, news program, Nightline. Oh, when you said Nightline, I thought you were talking about Ted Koppel Nightline. That's what you think of when you hear the term Nightline. This was a different version of that. And Nightline, of course, not just Ted Koppel, but you think hard news. Yeah. Hard-hitting one-on-one interviews, debates on the issues of the day. Now, some of those elements, although not Ted Koppel, obviously, they were present in the Kiwi version, but in other ways, it deferred greatly. For example, let's take a look at Nightline co-anchor Belinda Todd reporting on TV3's financial difficulties. The receivers sent a representative to the TV3 building late tonight to lay to rest fears of staff redundancies. You've come about the jobs. Hey, want to buy a TV station? Yeah. Let's go shopping. I mean, look at these chairs. Fashion colors, completely fireproof, unlike the staff. And there's more... Yeah, so it was a different kind of news program, to say the least. This seems very Daily Showish. Yeah, Daily Showish, but a little more off the wall. Yeah. Um, you want to buy a TV station, yeah? <laughs> That's oh boy. <laughs> Twenty-eight subscribers. <laughs> People do not like when I do access. <laughs> so, sometime before where we are now in the story, the network decided to change the tone of Nightline to make it more in line with its American counterpart, which, of course, brought an end to all of the comedy sketches. <laughs> and in turn, Belinda Todd was removed from the program. Now, Nightline may have been done with Belinda, but TV3 was not. They kept her under contract, paying her nothing. I mean, paying her for doing nothing until a suitable project was found for her. Right. So Belinda auditioned for this New Zealand-based sitcom that was already generating a lot of hype. The next Seinfeld, it was touted as. She auditioned for the role of Melody's best gal pal, Fiona. But the network decided to cast her as the titular Melody. So what we're going to be watching tonight is, in the wake of everything I've just described, what aired on TV3 in, I believe, 1994. It would be odd if I knew everything but the year. 
I think you were right about that. That's what I remember seeing. So here's, uh, we're going to watch the first part of the debut episode entitled Going, Going, Goner. I may have gotten it wrong. I don't, you may have said it right. Jeff, Zoe, help! Think, Melody, think. How about you back Whoa. out? Talking to you. Oh, Melody! First sign of Zoe, didn't you hear me call for help? Yes. Well, you thought it would be more fun to stand there and watch me suffer. You do it so well. You would get the same pleasure out of watching a fly caught in a spider's web. No, but if you were caught in a spider's web, perhaps. Oh, love you too. No, love you. No, love you. No, love you. Oh, you know, it's the conversation I'm going to have when Mum gets home and I get right my money. <laughs> so, Is, uh, Zoe, how was... I don't want to talk over this wonderful dialogue. Um, her age is kind of indeterminate. Ambiguous, yeah. She could be early 20s. She could be early 30s. And it, you, this family situation isn't explained. You, you pick it up in context throughout the course of the episode. But you're left wondering, is this, is this a mother and a daughter? It, it turns out they're two sisters. Right. But it, it's confusing because their ages don't look similar. For sisters. Yeah. Yeah, but they are, in fact, sisters. She's the eldest sister in this family. Uh, she also has a younger brother. Right. School. School is not important, Melody. What's important here is where's my dinner? Good question, Zoe. Now, if you had Frankly, bothered to consult my beautifully color-coded roster, you would realize you are cooking dinner. <laughs> what roster? Maybe the responsible sister tidied it away. I don't know. Where do I put it? I'm going to miss beating you so easily, Mel. Where's your fight? You can't bait me, Zoe. I just don't care anymore. The minute Mum gets home tonight, I am off on my holiday. Break out the swimsuits. Bay of Islands, here I come. With you and Fiona in swimsuits, don't you mean the Bay there's, of Pigs? Zoe! Sorry, Jeff. Uh, how was your day? Yeah. Uh, right. Susan Hamilton kept throwing bits of paper at me. And we all know what that means. She thought you were a rubbish bin. Uh, staying for dinner, Crayfish? <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, that's all right, Mel. Me and Crayfish are cooking dinner. You're cooking dinner? Well, that's what the roster said. So, seafood tonight. I got the sardines. And I got the chocolate fish. <laughs> Tell you what, as a treat, since it's my... Last yeah. supper. <laughs> I'll cook it. Great. Then we can go upstairs and practice our abseiling. Monster! <laughs> Do you think Chips is weird when he's at Crayfish's house? When would he get the chance, Mel? Crayfish is never at his house. He practically lives here. It's like Jeff in stereo. That is scary. You're decent. Speaking of horror stories. These kids are getting a bit out of hand, Melody. What you need's a man here. again, Jim. Now... We've been talking over this because, frankly, not much is you, you haven't missed anything. Right, right. Uh, but this guy, this guy is the wacky neighbor. Yes. Which, of course, every sitcom needs. Uh, you got to have Kramer or, uh, you know, whatever. Well, this was the next Seinfeld. Yeah. And, uh, well, this guy's pretty good. I like this guy. Uh, whenever he's on screen, it's, it's good. Um, now, he's coming over to, uh, to borrow some sugar, and uh, you'll hear why. 
You write like I need another sister. It's all under control, Neville. I'm just a bit busy, so... I've just come over for a bucket full of sugar. Help yourself, Neville. Another batch of home brew, is it? Yep. Breakfast of champions. There you go. I'm getting everything shipshaped for your mum coming home. Yes, thanks. Yeah, well, I've certainly cleaned up outside for her. Had the hedge a really good trim. Trim? It looks like a lopsided crew cut. Yeah, well, the lawnmower gets a bit heavy after a while. Neville... If you'll excuse me, I have had a hellish three weeks. I really need this holiday, and now the only thing standing in my way is cooking another dinner for my <laughs> darling sister, yeah. my darling brother, and just friend, the appetite that never sleeps. Oh, I appreciate the offer, Melvin. But I've had the corned beef and cabbage on since six o'clock this morning. Should be done by now. <laughs> wow. I feel so secure knowing Neville's watching over us. Yes, see, uh, Neville's very intrusive. Um, maybe we shouldn't have tied the safety rope to Zoe's wardrobe. You little Zoe, 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 stop it, boys! Let's fix her wardrobe. Go, Zoe, calm down, calm down. I'm in charge here for the next five and three-quarter hours. Outside. Melody rules. Part of the reason why she had to walk outside because there was not enough room yeah. for the cast and uh, the, the three, three cameras. There are two sets on this program. They had a living room and a kitchen. Yeah. It went nowhere else. Yeah. So they were very limited as far as blocking and camera angles. In fact, a lot of it looks very claustrophobic for that reason. Yeah. Okay, continue, please. <laughs> Mel, <laughs> ready for the great escape? Here's Fiona, the best friend. Yes, well, I had to bring my holiday washing over. That machine's not working. You haven't used that machine since I moved out. Well, the salesman assured me it was fully automatic. <laughs> yes, but you can't just put the washing in. You also have to turn it on. <laughs> well, this is really all I need. <laughs> what do you think? Mm. You look just like one of those things they have on the front of boats. <laughs> Zoe, what is it? The anchor? <laughs> that reminds me. No idea what she's talking Guess about. Guess which gorgeous the, uh, flight attendant bumped the into the drummer from, from Slackhead in first class. Boom on the front. Whatever that is called, I forget. But uh, I don't. what was she talking about? A thing on the front of a boat? She was getting at Maybe the uh, masthead. I, I, oh. Oh. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. And scored two tickets to their sold-out gig tomorrow night. Oh, Fiona, <laughs> you've made okay, pause him. again. Yeah, she has two tickets to see a band called Slaghead. Wow, nice. Now, I, did, I looked into this. Slaghead was a fictional band. Okay. At the time. I was able to find a metal band out of Virginia called Slaghead. Now, they look to be pretty young, and they're obviously American. But uh, I'd like to think that they took their name in reference to the fake band in Melody Rules, episode one. Probably. We, we can safely assume that. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Character reference, fashion advice. Just keep your kidneys in great shape. Isn't this about where I say, Zoe, you can't go? And you say, oh, but Melody. And I say, you're not 20, you're only 16. Oh, contrary, Melody. Mum will be back tonight and you know she'll let me go. Mum thinks sneaking into gigs underage develops self-reliance and initiative. <laughs> your mother also thinks responsible parenting is paying your TV licence. Well, yeah. All right, Zoe, you Friend will be really Mum's responsibility there, huh? in about... 47 <laughs> minutes, so go right ahead, nice. sneak in, burst an eardrum, get arrested, have some fun. 
No, really. Did you see that still shot of the phone? Uh, oh, was, was it her monging us? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was distracted by the two kids silently reading comic books. <laughs> Separately reading two comic books. Is that something you did with your friends? Well, Let's just get together and read different comic books. <laughs> what, did you read the same one together? Don't recall ever reading comic books with my friends. Oh, okay. thing, I don't know. Sustained silent reading? Yeah. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that uh, still shot of the phone really bothered uh, one of these actors. Okay. I, I don't remember which. But, uh, yeah, he said that was the first sign when he was watching the show that uh, there were going to be major production problems. Because that broke the visual of how the rest of the show was shot. Right. Why do you think they did that? They couldn't get the phone to actually ring because it wasn't hooked up to anything? I guess because it was so far away from where the camera was to establish that the phone was there. I don't know for sure. Yeah. All I know is uh, that is an odd choice because we don't see anything, any shots set up that way for the rest of the show. I, I didn't notice. Can we just go back a couple seconds so I can see? No, really. I'll get it. Yeah, I don't know. It's not that It's not that disruptive to me. It wouldn't have been to me, but yeah. yeah. One of the actors singled that out as a sign. We don't know which one. It wasn't crawfish? Uh, crayfish. Whatever. Craig it's Fisher. It's the same thing, though. Uh, well, but it's, his name's not Krog Fisher. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, let's continue. Hello, Robin's residence. Jeff. Our Jeff. <laughs> but seriously, what can I do for you, Aurora? Aurora Williams! Aurora, caution, filling may be hot, Williams! Aurora! Is that a t-shirt anymore? It is. Jeff, it's gonna be yeah, okay. Like you bucks. can do it. Yeah, either, Speak like in a, this end and listen in this yeah, one. Yeah, it's a <laughs> <laughs> Aurora, it's me, Jeff. Yeah, I think I'm free tomorrow night. Uh, let me just check with my pants. A book. <laughs> uh, diary. Please, Melody, it's the first time a fifth woman's ever asked me out. It's just a her house. Come on, Melody, please. come on. Please. I have no idea what anyone's saying. Okay, here. it sounds okay, harmless. Uh, this uh, gal calls uh, um, Melody's brother. Well, that part I got. Asks if he's free the next night. Yeah. So his friend's telling him to not, not be too keen. You know, say you have to check your diary. So he's doing charades. He's miming. Oh, he has to see if he's free. Yes. He wants him to act like he has something going on in his life other than sitting around the kitchen table <laughs> reading comic books. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, now I understand. Okay. Huh? Cool. I mean, we're on. <laughs> say eight-ish. Okay, bye, Aurora. Succulent! But Aurora's in my class. She's popular. She's out. <laughs> and slackhead are mine. And soon you and your problems will be mums. No more kids, no more chores. <laughs> first things first, Mel. Could you wash those for me? <laughs> Thirteen bikini. I thought I had fourteen, one for each day. Oh, well, I suppose the last day I'll just have to go complete. So, have you packed any sunscreen? Mm -hmm. Three flavours, so, uh, chocolate, we, banana and... She's, uh, she notices that she's missing one of her bathing suits. And uh, that'll come into play later <laughs> in a way you may not expect. French vanilla. <laughs> well, won't be long now. 
What if your mother can't make it back in time? Don't be ridiculous, Crayfish. Any minute now, she's going to walk through that door and my three weeks and pubescent purgatory will be over. <laughs> Nothing is going to go wrong. Right, Fee? Whoa, are we leaving in? See, Melody will finally be relieved. Voice! Use that voice! Basically, babysitting babies. Yeah. When her mother, when their mother returns from her. Mom, you're at the airport. Something. You haven't left yet. A monkey stole your passport. But you'd remember him again. Good. Okay, so when will you be back? Yeah, so there you go. I'm leaving tonight. All right, same time tomorrow. Promise? <sighs> Bye, Mum. Zoe? Jeff, Mum says she's going to be a day late. As long as she's back before the concert. Mm, but I have to change all my plans. That's all right, Mel. I thought this is serious. It is serious. It's my holiday, my freedom, my whole life. Ready when you are. <laughs> Okay, so that was the first segment. And one thing I've noticed is that uh, the laugh track sometimes cuts in in halfway through the punchline. Yeah, before the line's even finished. Yeah, which is not good. Now, after this part of the first episode was shown, TV3 canceled its plans to air another New Zealand adaptation of an American television staple, The Maori Povich Show. Man, I, I've been waiting all day to say that. <laughs> really? <laughs> so now we talked about uh, possibly not watching the rest of this, only watching the first segment. But you made a great point uh, that uh, some of the, uh, the the funnier stuff, if there is such thing, right, uh, that uh, takes place during segment two. Yeah. So we should watch some of that, or how much of it you want to. Yeah, um, maybe I don't know. Maybe we fast forward until we get to the funny part. I don't know. Well, let's. let's I don't know how far in it is. Let's see where it picks up. Yeah. Oh no! Let's uh, start at the beginning and see where. Uh, episode one of Melody Rules going going gone. Now it's important. Never underestimate the bouncer's mathematical ability. Neighbor. Always yeah. give the earlier. Birthday. He's back giving some advice. 20 are you, love? So where were you when Elvis died? I was born on October the 5th, 1974. I'm a Libra, you know. And although I was only three at the time, I clearly remember a sense of shock and grief. No worries, Zoe. Listen, I'll go and get the ID. Thanks, Neville. He's going to get her a fake ID. Okay, let me check if I've got the straight. We can still make the cruise if we go from the airfield to the island by hovercraft, cross the farm on a tractor down to the beach by mopeds, but we still have to find our own way from the dock to the boat. I'll go in, sir. We'll be there. Okay, thank you. Batten down the hatches, shipmate. We're back on board. Aye, Captain Mel. All we need now is Brendan to turn up with the new tickets from work. Oh, this is going to be great. Sunbathing on the deck. Paragliding from the mast. Watching the sun go down over that back railing. <laughs> the cabin boys frolicking in the rigging. Oh, sleeping in a hammock. Oh, I'm cuddling up in a hammock with a nice, nice big. Okay, boss. That dialogue there where they were exchanging their uh, basic fantasies about uh, what this uh, cruise would be like. Okay. Uh, her friend Fiona uh, 
a lot of hers involve, you know, cabana boys and uh, men. Yeah. That sort of thing. Right. Now, Melody shies away from that. She talks about, oh, sleeping in a hammock. You know why, Chris? She's exhausted from three weeks of watching these kids. Well, that's possible. Okay. But uh, the writers had a restriction on them. Melody was not to be in any way romantic with anybody. Why? She could go on a date, but she couldn't, she couldn't kiss anybody. The character was supposed to be uh, just <laughs> a piece of uh, Play-Doh, basically. Well, why did they make this restriction? Well, uh, part of it had to do with uh, the show ultimately ended up uh, being shown a lot earlier oh, than was okay. planned. All right. And uh, some of the writers even said, and the actors, I said, well, we were basically doing full house. We didn't realize it, but that's what we ended up doing. Yeah, it almost seems like they went, in, went into this thinking it would be married with children, <laughs> and then they get switched yes. it to full house. Yes. Because the, the neighbor and the, uh, you know, I don't know if it's accurate, but let's just call her the horned up friend. Uh, you know, th- they seem like uh, edgy characters. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. So uh, th- there were all kinds of restrictions on uh, what they could and what the network would allow them to do with the Melody character. So uh, let's continue. So did you guys get all the Nothing's changed. Every one of them. There are certainly advantages to being a travel agent. Mm, good on you, Mel. Come on, Jeff. Time to put Operation Aurora into simulated things. Also a big what exactly Hornets do you mean by that, Crayfish? Um, yeah, I thought nothing, Mel. <laughs> You better get that, Mel. Were they, were they new at the time? <laughs> uh, new, yeah, okay. right. Hi, Melody. I've got the rescheduled tickets from the now office. You are fantastic, Brendan. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, but it wasn't oh, easy. No, no, stop. I set the alarm off getting the in, is. and then I, the cops oh my God, turned up, I, I and I couldn't a, convince them that... I had that shirt when I was, uh, around this time. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> back memories? Yeah. What would you do in this shirt? What would be the, what would be the occasion where that shirt would come out? The, the, the only reason I remember the shirt is because, and I was, I was in high school at the time, um, so I was kind of naive, and um, somebody bought it for me as a gift, but it, it smelled like cologne, and I didn't, I just thought that the shirt came that way, not realizing that some probably... Probably Persian guy had worn it and returned it. <laughs> That's the only reason I remember that shirt. <laughs> I worked there until they saw that mug. You know the one you gave me with my baby photo on it? There was no Let sweat. Stop again. Now, see, um, Melody is a travel agent. This guy is her co-worker. I, oh, oh, my God. That, I completely missed that. That's why she's able to go on this cruise at a discount. Oh, yeah, that... that Wow. He's her co-worker, and he has to go back to the office uh, to get her tickets because I guess he forgot to get them for her. I don't know how. She couldn't have done it herself. But Yeah, I feel anyway. like they could have done without this whole character. Well, the, um, it, it is explained. I think why you think he was a deacon is that uh, he, missed, he misdelivered the tickets. We're, we're going to hear the tickets he brought Fiona and Melody. Oh, okay. No hassles at all. Thanks, Brendan. Yeah, Brendan... So we're going via a 10-day tour of the great churches of northern Germany, are we? Oh, no. Let me have a look at that. I seem to have given you the um, tickets meant for Archbishop Broderick and his wife. (laughs) I'll just pop over to the um, cathedral and clear it up. Oh, I hope I can catch them before they leave. Yeah, the part of him going to the cathedral confused me, I guess. I can feel the sand just... Slipping away beneath my feet. Relax, Fiona. Brendan will sort it out. I hope so. Can you imagine the Archbishop's wife in a bikini? <laughs> Training equipment. Oh, now here. Found it down the back. 
That's a great place to pause. Here we find the whereabouts of Fiona's missing bikini. (laughs) (laughs) Which, all right, right here you see it's being put to no good use. But things get way weirder. (laughs) Sofa. (laughs) What are we going to do with it? Jeff, there comes a stage in the courtship of a woman with studly good looks. Just not... Good enough. <laughs> the babe simulator. Come on, Jeff. Have a go. Try and talk at the same time. Use the old homework line. Um, can I help you with your biology assignment? What? Hang on, Jeff. Under actual combat conditions, this is done in the dark. Okay, soldier. No reason for this. Do your stuff. You decent? <laughs> sorry, Neville. We're really sorry. We won't do it again. So you should be. True professional does it with one hand. <laughs> Let me show you. <laughs> Hello, darling. Can I help you with your seatbelt? Oh, Neville, what are you trying to teach these boys? Oh, come on, Mel. Boys will be boys. They just ask for a bit of advice. Anyway, I just came for some sugar. I can't believe you'd treat women as objects. Objects as women. And I can't Zoe. Let's think about what a creep this neighbor is. He's been in two scenes, right? The first one, he comes and steals all their sugar to make homebrew. And then in the second one, they walk in and he's wearing the one chick's bikini bottoms as a, as over his nose. Yeah. They kind of buried the real star of the show. There's yeah. a better story going on next door. Right, exactly. And we're not seeing it. Yeah. Oh, Neville, what are you trying to teach these boys? Oh, come on, Mel. Boys will be boys. They just ask for a bit of advice. Anyway, I just came for some sugar. I can't believe you'd treat women as objects. Objects as women. And I came to see Zoe. Here you are, Hot off the press. Neville, she's a bit staunch looking. Well, you could dye your hair, and we could use a ballpoint for the tattoo. A fake ID. Zoe, you are pushing your luck. You should know I'm thinking of grounding you. Oh, thinking. That's a first for you, Mel. That's it. That's it, Zoe. Grounded. No slack head tonight. What? What did I do? Tragedy. Double tragedy, Jeff. Your date with Aurora is off if this episode is anything to go by. That was all Neville's idea. Uh, time to check the homebrew. Mum will just reverse this decision when she gets home. That's a great way to get out of trouble. <laughs> I'm gonna go Mom, check on my still. Where's the net? You're a st- <laughs> It's worth keeping in mind. I might pull that out sometime. Daring <laughs> <clears throat> will. Just my luck. This will be Mum saying she can't come home ever. Hello, Mum. You found what? I'm confused. What what was that she picked up? (laughs) Yeah, we didn't see an establishing shot. Yeah, I I didn't see it isolated to uh, to to let us know that there was was a phone that was ringing. (sighs) By the way, if we Jim, is this what the audience will see? This uh, pause shot we see now. Does she not look like a 60 year old woman in this shot? (laughs) I mean, it's a little bit odd. But, of course, we all know what's going to happen here. I mean, we, we all know what's going to happen. The mom is calling. We all know what she's going to say. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Opportunity of a lifetime. Mom, I haven't had any of a lifetime yet. <laughs> yes, I know. You were in labor with me for 72 hours. But, Mom, what's going on? 
Yes, Mum. Oh, it's all under control. All right, Mother. I'm still going to treat myself. If I can't have a holiday, I shall have a nervous breakdown instead. <laughs> all right, so that... I thought that was the end of Act 2, but it's nearing the end of Act 2. Yeah. Is there really anything more we need to see? I don't think we need to see the rest. Yeah. I mean, obviously the mom wasn't never come, probably will never come home. Right. Uh, maybe it'll, maybe she'll show up at some point, but then she'll leave immediately. Um, uh, it ends with like, uh, d- does she end up going on the vacation? Any- oh, no. I remember what happens. Yes. You know, maybe we do need to see that. I don't know. Or should we just explain it? Okay, I think we can explain it because finding yeah. what you're talking about yeah. is uh, going to be difficult. So Melody, well, you, you go ahead. You'll remember it better than I do. Well, Melody does get to go on her vacation because <laughs> her mother decides that she has a solution. Melody, uh, she can stay where she is. Melody can go where she's going because she's going to have the next door neighbor look after the her uh, Melody's siblings while she's away for three weeks. Yeah. Or however long. You know, when he's not checking on a still <laughs> or uh, making fake IDs, yeah, he'll, che- he'll take care of the kids. He'll make sure the kids are uh, right. being taken good care of. And <clears throat> I got to smuggle some cigarettes in from Queensland. <laughs> All right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Is it that bad? Queensland? Isn't that one of their provinces? I didn't know. Uh, uh, that's Australia. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm thinking of Australia. You're right. Sorry. It's like North Dakota and South Dakota. Yeah. You can't make that mistake, I Chris. Know, I know. I All know right. better. 26 subscribers. Um, so, yeah, Belinda, she comes back. She's about to get on the boat. But she comes back because she feels, uh, she doesn't feel right. Yeah, sense of responsibility. Yeah. It, her place is taking care of her siblings because her mother can't be bothered to and she doesn't trust the neighbor. It sounds like the mother might have a significant career, though, to be fair. You know. She's doing important work, we're led to believe. Yeah. What's she doing? Slandering snakes and saying things should belong in museums? Stealing from the colored man? (laughs) Isn't that all the job is? So now, you may wonder, people call this the worst sitcom ever. You know how many episodes of this there were? I have Let me put it this way. Were there more or less than there were a Viper? Well, I'll put it this way. There were more than we have YouTube subscribers. Right. Before or after we did all these awful accents? (laughs) (laughs) Now, so how many episodes were there? They did 40 episodes. Okay. Now, eventually what they started doing was running them back to back late at night to kind of burn them off. They, the show was moved out of prime time. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was moved twice. I think it was at 8 o'clock or something like that, or 7 o'clock. But th- then it got moved to the afternoon. And that was where the whole thing with Melinda, um, I'm sorry, Melody, not kissing anybody and all that, that's where all that came into play. Yeah. Because it was more by the rules of Saved by the Bell than the Frasier it was promoted as. You know, something just occurred to me. Couldn't you still smuggle cigarettes across an international border? I mean... It still kind of made sense, Steve. But anyway, I digress. Okay. <laughs> Did I miss something? Was there an, an issue with Never mind. Okay. okay. Never mind. All right. All right. All right. So um, <clears throat> after this, 
Belinda Todd, she fled to L.A. to become a writer. Okay. Uh, after Melody Rules, she has two subsequent acting credits. One, again, for that Kevin Sorbo Hercules uh, thing that appears to have been produced in New Zealand. Okay. And, um, and the other is from 2021. She appeared in uh, the Supernatural doc- docuseries called A Haunting. That sounds kind of familiar. And uh, her credited role? Oh, yeah, I, I watched some of those. Okay. You may have seen her. Yeah. Well, maybe not if you blinked, because her credited role is woman eating. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I might want to check that out. <laughs> <clears throat> so I guess we should uh, present our judgment. Do you consider this, Chris, to be the worst sitcom ever? Wait, before we get to that, do you have more about this? Because you led me to believe that there was some thing about how... People had to leave the country about this. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Belinda Todd was one of them. But she, she was very ashamed. She ran to L.A. And uh, another guy, I believe it's the guy who played, um, <clears throat> ah, I, I forgot the guy's name already. Did I disrupt the order you wanted to do this in? I no, I actually, I, I don't have this here. Oh, okay. All right. Brendan, the uh, co-worker, the guy who you thought was the deacon? Yeah, yeah. His name's Alan Bro. He had to move to Australia to find success as a comedian and a radio presenter. Yeah. Such was the stigma of being involved in this program. Uh, I'll tell you, Steve, I don't, I don't get it. Um, Jim and I were laughing watching this. Um, yeah, it's not good. No more than Jim. You can, I'm sure the mics picked up how loud Jim was laughing at this. I mean, we've been doing a show over a year. He's never laughed that hard. <laughs> it's, it's stunning. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but clearly <laughs> Jim just said 27 as though he's going to unsubscribe because of what we just said. We lost our own guy. Man, oh man. Chris. Um, so yeah, I mean the show, it, it's not good, but it doesn't seem to me. If you showed me a random episode of let's say happy days or growing pains, Mr. Belvedere, one of these family-type sitcoms. I don't know that I'm going to laugh any more than I did watching this. Um, th- like, you pointed out some bad things about the production. I, it didn't really occur to me that the steps went nowhere. I assume that's how all the sets are, that the phone was a still shot. I mean, that doesn't really... If the jokes are there and the characters are funny, I don't care about any of that. Um, so, yeah, it didn't. I, I don't think it's that bad, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's the worst sitcom ever, but I offer no substitute. But it can't be the worst, considering everyone involved was doing what they were doing for the first time ever. Right. How many shows can you think of that were put together by seasoned professionals that were far worse than this and basically shested everyone's McNasty? I think it's more of a victim of uh, the network than its own quality such as the pre-air comparisons to Seinfeld and Frasier and Roseanne. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Yeah, and the network put all that out there. That didn't help at all. Neither did the limitations put on the production. We mentioned the two sets they had to work with. What we didn't mention was uh, the three cameras were borrowed from the news department. Mm. So if the production ran late, the cameras had to go back to news and they had to shut down shooting the program. Yeah, or if there's a breaking story, you got to stop production. Correct. So, 
It was over before it even began. So while the show didn't succeed, I wouldn't call it a failure either. In the same way, the Jamaican bobsled team wasn't a failure. Mm. You know, more people who, um, uh, their geography prevented them from having firsthand experience with something. But they made it work. Didn't win a gold medal. Right. Wait, was that the issue? Were they practicing in Jamaica? Well, no, I'm saying that they're not people who grew up using bobsled. Oh, okay, or, just uh, their experience yeah, yeah. with it. Yeah, I got just you. Just as the people in uh, New Zealand were not accustomed to writing sitcoms. Right. But they'd been accustomed to watching them, you would have to assume. Yeah, you would think. I am the kind of guy who believes uh, if you've read a book, you can now write a book. I'm a guy who believes if you've watched a talk show, you can host one, but man, you, you should look out there and see what <laughs> people with far more than 30 subscribers are doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like they sh- I'm puzzled. Puzzled. I, I don't. I don't know that you know the whole inexperience thing is that big of a factor, really. Um, yeah, I think it's I more know. the network interference and the impositions placed on the staff. Yeah. Well, that that was interesting. Um, you know, we departed from our normal format to do that, and I, I think it was. I think that was pretty cool and pretty interesting. And I think it was a great way to uh, celebrate the milestone we've achieved. <clears throat> yeah. Well, how about another milestone? How about uh, I make history and get my name, get myself banned from Russia for life? All right. Are we ready for this? Let's do it. All right. Now, now, how I've done this, Steve, is I've I've already put these in Google Translate uh, and had the robot say say them. You know how they do that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna hear this in Russian. So so I don't want there to be any misunderstanding any misunderstanding with translation. I want I want Vladimir Putin to know exactly how I th- how I feel. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna, you're gonna hear this in Russian, and then I'll, I'll uh, provide the translation afterward. Okay, here we go. So here here goes the first one. Insult number one. Vladimir Putin, ученик мошенника. That was Vladimir Putin is a botcher's apprentice. Insult number two. Vladimir Putin, sister. Vladimir Putin is the son of siblings. <laughs> now I don't want this to just all be about Putin. So let's take a few jabs at Russia itself. Младшую сестру Иван не смог избить мою младшую сестру, у которой that was a long one. Yeah. That was, uh, Ivan Drago couldn't beat up my kid sister, who regrettably <laughs> has cerebral palsy. Icon of Russian culture, Ivan Drago. Now, let's take another stab at Russian culture with this next one. <clears throat> Hmm. Yuri Gagarin was five foot two and died when he misread his altimeter. <laughs> Those are two true facts, folks. Oh, wow. Uh, and, you know, we, we don't mean to be height shaming on this show, <laughs> but at the same time, compare five foot two Yuri Gagarin to our own five foot ten John Glenn <laughs> or the, uh, the strapping five foot eleven Neil Armstrong. 
<laughs> Both of whom live to a long age, continuing to fly while correctly reading their altimeters. <laughs> Two weeks in a row, there, there has been yeah. an unprovoked attack on an astronaut, or I guess a cosmonaut. In this yeah. Case. Well, I had to defend Neil Armstrong right. after Alf's unprovoked attack last week. <laughs> it was out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. <laughs> All right, let's get back to Putin. Uh, Putin related. Here's our next one. Hitler Hitler conquered the Ukraine in five months. I'm just saying. Uh, also, Stalin, during the Bolshevik Revolution of 1919, uh, he, he, he captured Kiev in like three weeks. So, uh, you know, Hitler and Stalin, they knew how to get things done. Putin, it's been three months and counting. Eh, I don't know how things are going over there. Just saying, folks. Uh, one, we got one more. Vladimir Putin, Zlobny Put. Yeah, of course, that was uh, Vladimir Putin is a pestilent knave. Mm. So I, I don't know if that's not enough to get me banned from Russia for life. Uh, I'll have more next week, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Maybe you've done the job. I hope so. <laughs> Maybe you've done the job. Yeah. This is, this is nothing against the Russian people, by the way, who I have no problem with. Right. Yeah. It's just it's not a country you want to visit. Under the circumstances. Exactly. Anything you didn't talk about, you might want to talk about. No. No, I think I've said enough. Okay. In that case, I do want to plug something. And as I said, I would earlier in the show. If you're remotely interested in the story behind Melody Rules or even TV production in general, I highly recommend an eight-part documentary podcast from Radio NZ called The Worst Sitcom Ever. And the link will be in the description one of the showrunners tracked down his Melody Rules colleagues. Oh, okay. And interviewed them about uh, from start to finish about um, <clears throat> the whole story of the show and the various challenges they faced, the uh, mental scars, the career scars, and all of that, and all that ensued. And it's a great listen. I highly recommend it. So uh, look for that below. You know, it's interesting um, when we talked about Alf last week. Uh, we talked about how. The crew hated making, not the crew, but the cast hated making that show for various reasons. Um, and you would never know that from watching ALF. Um, very mirthful. Yeah. And now it seemed, to me, it seemed like the same thing. I don't get why that would be such a bad experience. So that po- I might check that podcast out. That seems interesting to, to know why, you know, I think it'd be fun to work on a sitcom, but apparently things don't always go that way. Yeah. I don't know. I think you'll enjoy it. And I think you will too. So that would make 32 of us. In that case, uh, Chris, I think we did it. We've decided once and for all that Melody Rules was not the uh, disaster history has made it out to be. Right. Although we've, we have not pinpointed what is actually the worst sitcom ever made. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll uh, continue to delve into this topic in later episodes. I think we should. I think we should. In that ca- and Jim agrees. In, in that case, uh, I think we did it. Chris Morgani. I'm Steve Reeves. Oscar Wee Wee. Oscar Wawa. Welcome back now. Tigers. Eat them all. We did it. Uh,